Welcome to the Berkeley Journal of International Law's podcast, Trevo. I'm your host, Haley Duradawan, and this is The Current State. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to a new season of Trevo, the Berkeley Journal of International Law's current events podcast. My name is Haley Duradawan, and I am your host. And today I will be talking with Maria Oliveira about the current situation in Ukraine, Russian propaganda, and how Putin uses international legal principles to support his agenda. Hi, Haley. So just last week, the U.S. State Department reported that it uncovered a Russian plot to fabricate a pretext for war in Ukraine. The plan involves staging and filming an attack by the Ukrainian military on ethnic Russians in eastern Ukraine. Russia could then accuse Ukraine of genocide to provoke Donbass regional separatists and Russian military intervention. Of course, Russia denies this, but the intel is credible and corroborated by UK intelligence. Super timely topic, Maria. I know that this is at the forefront of a lot of international and national legal discussions. Could you get into how this news relates to international law specifically? The threat of war currently looming over eastern Ukraine has germinated out of Putin's contempt for the principles of international law and his talent for legal gaslighting. Now, Putin doesn't really believe that Ukraine should be a separate country. He has asserted that Ukrainians and Russians are one people. But the reality is that Ukraine is its own country. So, of course, from a PR perspective, it wouldn't look good to just invade and take the country or even parts of the country. So Putin has to fabricate a justification for his imperialist agenda in the 21st century when general sentiments are against such behavior and when a prohibition on such behavior has been codified in international law. The UN Charter prohibits aggressive war and use of force, except in cases of self-defense. Putin gets around this by asserting that Russia is not actually attacking Ukraine. Rather, it is supporting the self-determination of the Russian-speaking minorities in Ukraine. In actuality, Russia's activities are illegal violations of Ukraine's sovereignty. Could you speak more about how Putin has crafted this self-determination narrative? Yeah, so since annexing Crimea in 2014, Putin has justified his actions in a legal sense by comparing the situation to the issue of Kosovo's independence. He argues that because Western powers supported Kosovo's secession from Serbia in 2008, they should also support self-determination of the Russian-speaking minorities in Ukraine. However, this analogy is deceptive and is not supported by international law. And what does international law have to say about the matter? International law weighs heavily in favor of respecting state sovereignty and existing borders for the purposes of, quote, maintaining international peace and security, as stated in the UN Charter. There is legal precedent from the League of Nations opinion on the Åland Islands dispute, holding that territories may not secede from states unless there is, quote, a manifest and continued abuse of sovereign power to the detriment of a section of population, end quote. From this, three criteria have been deduced for secession to be legal. One, the secessionists must constitute an ethnic people. Two, the mother state must be seriously violating their human rights. And three, there must be no other legal remedies available other than secession. These criteria constitute an extremely high bar to pass. In the case of Kosovo, the Serbian government was committing genocide against the Kosovars, and there had been years of conflict with no successful resolution. The situations in Crimea and Donbass are incomparable to that of Kosovo, as they do not meet the latter two criteria. 
Putin's grievance is that there are Russian-speaking minorities subject to Ukrainian authority. However, simply being a minority ethnic group has never been grounds for disrupting international borders through unilateral secession. While Putin claims that Russian speakers in Crimea and Donbass are being oppressed, there is no credible evidence for these claims, and there is certainly nothing going on that compares to the level of atrocities that the Serbian government committed against Kosovars. Additionally, there is certainly a legal remedy other than secession available here. Russia can respect Ukraine's sovereignty and abide by the Minsk II Agreement, a 2015 treaty that set forth a protocol for military de-escalation and preserving the autonomy of Donbass while respecting Ukrainian sovereignty. Is there anything else that harms Putin's self-determination argument? Yes. The notion that there is a broad pro-Russian consensus in Crimea and Donbass is highly doubtful. Russia points to a referendum held in Crimea in which 97% voted to secede from Ukraine, but this election was illegitimate and rigged to favor separatist sentiments. Since there is no credible evidence that Russian separatists in Crimea and Donbass represent the majority of the people, secession is even more legitimate, as it would not be in the interest of self-determination, rather just even more Russian imperialism. And what are the key takeaways that you want listeners to remember from this episode? That the recently uncovered plot to stage and disseminate a video of a Ukrainian attack on Russian minorities, if it were to be carried out, would constitute an attempt to justify Russian aggression, not just in a moral sense, but also a legal sense. It is Putin's attempt to deceptively mold reality into one that better fits the example set by Kosovo's independence. And where should people go if they want to learn more about your topic? Definitely check out the news, such as the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, as there are a lot of developments happening in real time. If you want to know more about Putin's views on Ukraine, you should look up the article by Vladimir Putin entitled On the Historical Unity of Russians and Ukrainians. It is on Russia's government website, and it was published in July 2021. It sums up the narrative that Russian propaganda perpetuates and demonstrates exactly how Putin twists reality to make Russia appear like the victim rather than Ukraine. Definitely go check those out, everyone. Thanks for joining us today, Maria. My pleasure. Thank you for listening. Travaux is brought to you by Haley Duradawan, Kayleen Kosla, and the members of the online team at the Berkeley Journal of International Law. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please write to us at berkeley.travaux at gmail.com. While we're committed to bringing you international and comparative law news and insight, our podcast is intended for academic and entertainment purposes only. The information presented is not legal advice and may not be current. Please check out the Berkeley Journal of International Law's blog, Travo. See you next week. Au revoir.